Welcome to the More Your Story podcast. I am so glad that you all have come along. This is a great episode coming up because I have my friend who's going to share a bit of her testimony and her vision and how God's using her around the world. And I know you're going to be excited to hear it. First, this podcast is brought to you by Wesley Biblical Seminary, where we are developing trusted leaders for faithful churches. We've just added a course of study for the Global Methodist Church. And this has been exciting for us because we have 250 new students at our seminary as we're serving them, helping them to be equipped to serve the congregations that God's called them to in the Global Methodist Church. On top of the work that we've already done and already doing uh, through a bachelor's of pastoral ministry, various MAs and MDiv, doctor of ministry programs, we would love for you to find out more about Wesley Biblical Seminary. So you can find that out at wbs.edu. Also, I'm thankful to my friend Keith Waters and WPO Development. They are a group that come alongside organizations, churches, schools, develop mission planning studies, strategic plans, facilitate capital campaigns, and they've done that successfully for more than 250 organizations around the country. And I highly recommend them to you. And um, Keith and, and his team do a wonderful job. So you can find out more about them in my show notes. Also, if you're interested in things coming from this podcast, I have an email list where about a couple times a month I send something out. And it's... um. And what I, what I have is a free resource for folks if you sign up for that email list called Five Steps to Deeper Teaching and Preaching. It's a PDF document and a 45-minute teaching with me that I'd love to send you if you sign up for my email list. And if you are in a phase in your church or your small group where you're looking to start some a new study of some kind, I have two resources on my website. One is a study of the Little Book of Jude. There's six video sessions with discussion guides that are available. And I also have a book that's just come out on the Book of Jude. It's called Contender. Both things could be done together. You can find out about that at my website. And then, and that's andymillerthethird.com. That's andymillerii.com. And then now, just at the beginning of September, there is a new study coming out on heaven. It's a biblical journey to worlds beyond what we can understand. And I'm so excited about this one. There's five sessions on heaven, uh, one little session on hell. I think it's important to be able to talk about that as well. So that's coming out, and that's a resource that you can use for your church to think more biblically about the important doctrine of heaven. All right. I am so glad to welcome into the podcast Joy Griffin, who is a co-founder of the International Leadership Institute, and we're going to find out more about that. But first, I just have to welcome in my friend Joy. I'm so glad to have you here, Joy. Andy, thank you. I'm so honored to be with you. So Joy and I serve on the Francis Asbury Society board together. She's also the vice president of Indian Springs Holiness Camp Meeting, where I preach this summer. We run in very similar circles, and I'm so glad that that we get in, we're in so many circles together, Joy. It means a lot me to me. Too. Me too, Andy. And could, I just want to, I want to jump in and say, um, for your listeners and watchers, uh, what a privilege it was. We actually got to be together this summer in July at Indian Springs Holiness Camp Meeting, as Andy just said. And I just want you all to know, thank you for praying. Andy did a beautiful job. Jesus used him mightily in every sermon that he preached. And and God came, and there was much, much response. And so I, I, I'm honored to be with you, and I appreciate all you're doing for the gospel and how you're using your calling in many different ways there at WBS, as well as in places like at a camp meeting where so many people are hungry and yes. came and met the Lord in, in healing and saving and sanctifying power. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I love I love being there. I feel like it's definitely a family of mine to be in it. Indian Springs. I did do that heaven series there and I yes. preached a sermon on hell in the middle of 
It's awesome every time I listen and read. Yep. Uh, at three o'clock uh, and outdoors in the middle of Georgia heat. So I felt like people identified with that then. Very appropriate. That's right. Well, that's good. Joy, before we get into it, I just, you have an amazing story of how you know, experiencing healing and coming to Jesus in the first place. I'd love to walk through that with you before we kind of talk about some of the work that God's called you and your husband Wes to do. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to tell you because I'm so grateful for what God has done. And um, I um, I became a Christian. I grew up in, first I'll back up, grew up in Methodist Church, a uh, very rural uh, part of Georgia on a dairy farm. And so it was a small Methodist church, but but um, I became a Christian when I was 12. And I'm very grateful for that. I knew that I asked Jesus in my heart. But then as I became a teenager and, and grew a little older, I really wanted to have my devotions and was, was trying to grow. But as I really read my Bible, I began to see um, that my life was not like Jesus, not all the way, not loving him with all my heart, not having a peace that passes all understanding, not forgiving people the way that Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross. And so um, I really, really began to struggle and, and had questions. But unfortunately, I did not have anyone, a pastor close by or, or a spiritual uh, uh, mentor to help me because unfortunately, again, I grew up fairly close to the city of Atlanta. I mean, I, it's rural, but I mean, I'm an hour and a half, the closest seminary, I should say, was actually a very liberal seminary. I did yeah. not know anything about an Asbury at the time or WBS. And um, and so I realized now that what was happening is we had uh, student pastors that were going yeah. to school there and, and were not even really learning much about salvation, much less entire sanctification. So I struggled during that time. But then... Um, then after even college, I uh, thought, well, maybe the way you figure all this out is to learn more about the Bible. So I just was naive, but didn't know any different. And so I applied to that seminary. Um, yeah. It was actually just horrific as far as what was being taught there, even in those days. I mean, like I had an atheist professor, Andy. I mean, that, wow. I know that it just <laughs> blows everyone's mind, but it was the truth. Yeah. And he yeah. was very unashamed atheist. So so that was not helpful spiritually, but I was only there a couple of weeks because at night I was playing on a women's softball team. And that year, for some reason, we had just gotten all the way to the championship. So oh, really? okay. um, did you I play high, softball through high school and that kind yeah, of thing? Yes, but not not officially. I really played basketball in high okay, school more okay. so, um, but just more recreationally softball. Um, anyway, it was a real critical play. It was at the end of the game. It really was to try to save the game and to win the game. And I dove for a line drive intentionally, just trying to get to the ball. Good news is I have to throw this in. I caught the ball and we won. Yay! Okay. <laughs> But it was just like a little ice cream cone hanging out there. But so that's the good news. We won. But when I hit the ground on the front of my body, um, for some weird reason that no doctor anywhere can understand why, it ripped away everything from the bone in my back and I was instantly paralyzed. So, paralyzed. Uh, yes, horrific, horrible. And nothing on the field, what position were you playing? What At that moment, I was center. I was in center field. It, the, the, the line drive was coming right over second and I ran and, you know, was able to get there. But um so so i was taken to medical um doctors and specialists all over literally all of the united states um after a month and month and months passed but but there was nothing anyone could do physically so you were so literally paralyzed in this time so you, yeah when you're there like do you remember like could you do any could you move your your arms or anything my, my hands could move i could talk but yeah. nothing from like chest down, nothing at all. So 
my mama made what in the South we call a pallet, just a, a quilt, a blanket on the floor. And someone had to feed me with a straw. And then I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't move um, to sit up or move. Wow. And so they had to put a bedpan under me. It was embarrassing, uh, uh, depressing. It was just, it was horrible. Um, but there was nothing, nothing changed from that moment. They are on the ground with the softball for a year and a half. 18 wow, long. a year and a half. And so you're like, what, like 22 years old, 23 22. years old? What happened? Absolutely. So um, horrific. And another thing, just because this makes the miracle even bigger, is that I never had a period during that time because everything on the inside, my ovaries, uterus, everything was in wrong places. And so um, so, so it was a very sad time physically. It, it, it hurt. You know, there was much pain all the time. There was constant pain, nothing that the doctors could do. But Andy, here was okay. the worst part. The worst part was my heart because I remember laying there and thinking, I'll never be able to stand up and walk somewhere to find somebody that can help me spiritually with this wow. hunger that was in my wow. soul. Wow. Yeah. So you came to that school at that time and you're searching, hungry. Yes. Absolutely. And all of a sudden now, not yes. only is like the opportunity to be a mother, have right. a future, all of that gone. is gone. And then, and then uh, spiritually too, the yeah. opportunity to Everything get your gone. questions answered or, yes. you know, yeah. Any kind of hope for future was gone, but guess what? Okay. <laughs> Obviously you're standing now. So <laughs> yes. And here's the good part. Guess the Lord sent uh, to my little country church. It was move time. You know, okay. whoever the little student pastor was, you know, graduated and went back to wherever state that they were from. And so for the first time, instead of a student, we've got this really old, for me, he was like a grandpa age, um, older, uh, retired pastor who retired, you know, close, I don't know, eight, 10 miles from where I lived. And he was willing to supply that little church. But guess okay. what? He was gloriously sanctified, totally filled with the spirit of God. He had, he was an old Asbury man and he was willing to come and serve that church. So he's who came and helped me understand what holiness is and who the Holy Spirit is and about entire sanctification and, and how that hunger could be filled in my soul. Wow. Oh, who is that? His name was Howell Hearn. Yeah. Okay. But just um, all of you, actually, you went to school with some of his grandkids, probably, you know. Right, um, right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are also people who attend Indian Springs too. Exactly. the Hearn family really yeah. well known there. So yes. actually I want to have, I think John, I'm hoping to get him on my podcast at some point. Oh, well, great. That's awesome. Yes. He's I, I asked him, he kind of said no, but I'm going to push him some more. Okay. Push hard. So, yeah. Okay. So keep going. So, so here you are, you, you interact with um the yeah. Hearns and, um, What's hap what happens then? Like, so, okay, so yeah. he's, he's so precious. They, they actually are just being a good pastor and wife and they're going to the nursing homes and the shut-ins and, you know, seeing the new church, you know, new in the community, going and visiting who the church members are. And then they came to me and, mm. and, and Andy, when they came through the door of our little farmhouse, I wouldn't know what to call it at the time, but now I know it was like the Shekinah glory. I mean, they were dressed in regular farm clothes like my parents and other uh, neighbors were, but they were different. There, wow. there was just an aura. It was just Jesus. And so he began that day. He said, I know that you're hungry and Jesus can fill you because Jesus said, blessed are those that, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll be filled. And yeah. if you search for me with all your heart, you'll find me. And it took me a long time though, Andy, I was a real sort of a skeptic or I wanted you to prove it to me and yeah, I sure. wanted it to be true. But day after day, that precious man came faithfully and expounded God's word and explained what the experience of entire sanctification 
means is how to experience that. And, um, and the glorious part is that after a few weeks, I did experience that, even though I couldn't move physically, but, but my heart was bouncing off the walls when I really surrendered everything to Jesus. And he really filled me with the fruit of the spirit. Wow. So you were at this point still paralyzed. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Yep. And you know, of course that was, that was sad, but I remember just thinking, you know, if I lay here for a hundred years, it's okay because okay. my heart was taken care of. It was just so wow. glorious and wonderful. Yeah. So what, ha what uh, obviously you're walking, you walk around the world. You travel, I mean, like that you, you were healed at some point. When did yes. that come into yes. the story? Yes, actually just two weeks later from that day, that day happened to be July 16th. It was just a glory day for me. Two weeks later, um, there are, it was camp meeting time. And, and uh, in the county where I live, there actually are still three little, very small compared to an Indian Springs, small little Methodist camp meetings. Yeah. And um, we always went, I mean, but obviously I could go nowhere <laughs> physically, but, but the newspaper had come out and my parents held it, you know, upside down kind of for me to, to see the photos. And there was a photo of the evangelist. He was an older man, another, like a grandfather age to me. And I need to say his name because a lot of your listeners will know this family. Also, his name was Tom Barrett. Okay. And again, another Asbury guy, I, I didn't know him at the time that he was from South Georgia. So I didn't know who he was, but he was coming. But the other guy, another photo was the guy that was going to be the youth director for the week. And I actually knew him. He was a friend, you know, that I had okay. known before. And I knew that he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I knew that he was in ministry, but without the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I said to my parents, please, will you take me? I've got to go and tell my friend and his wife what Jesus has done in my heart. They will believe me. And, and I know that then, then he will begin to understand what holiness is. So that is how for the first time in 18 months, the only time in 18 months, except for going to a doctor appointment yeah, somewhere, yeah. Um, my parents picked me up and laid me in the back seat of the car and drove me to the little, it's not many miles away, little camp meeting. And I laid me on the little uh, cement porch where the preachers usually sleep. And then I was sharing with my friend what God had done in my heart. And just as I was out, he was so excited. His eyes were big saying, why have I not seen this before? I, I, I know it's real for you. Please help me. Just as that happened, a car pulled up like just a few yards away. And it okay. was the older man. It was Tom Barrett, who was yeah. just pulling into town to be preaching that week. So I don't know if you want me to keep, I'll just try to keep going. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to hear. I don't want to just make it too long, but he, he, um, they shook hands. Oh, yeah. glad to meet you. We'll pray for each other. Those kind of nice things that you say. And then brother Tom looked down and saw me and that I couldn't move. So first, his first words were, well, you're not laying there for the fun of it. Are you? <laughs> and first I thought, are you crazy? Of course not. But later I thought he did not see them bring me. You know, he did he didn't know. So oh, actually wow. my friend responded quickly about yeah. the accident, what had happened. But then he was different from everyone else. Mm. Other people that might have come to our house, you know, to see me would say, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Too bad, so sad. I wish they could do something to help you, but they can't, you know, that kind of thing. And Andy also, every once in a while when people would leave, they'd say, We'll come back and we'll be praying for you. And I am not saying they didn't pray. Right, but right. Nobody prayed out loud. Yeah. And I understand why, because it looks hopeless. You know, you, right. you, you're kind of afraid to. But instead, Brother Tom's response, instead of saying, I'm so sorry it happened to you, 
He said very sweetly, so gently, just, oh my, such a humble man. He said, well, have you ever asked God to heal you? Wow. Yeah. And then that was a, a new thought for me to be real honest. I mean, I was so excited. Right. My brain was on my heart at the moment. Um, but then here's what he said, and this has helped me in praying for other people. He said, honey, I do not understand healing. And so when he said that, Andy, I knew he was honest. I thought he's right. real because right. none of us know. And he said, he said, I don't understand why some people are healed and some are not. He said, and I don't understand why we go to church and pray for somebody and maybe they die next week. He said, but everywhere I can find in the word, when they brought people to Jesus, he healed them. Yes. And I know he's the same. The Bible says yesterday, today, and forever. And he said, over in the book of James, it says, call on the elders and pray. And I'm just willing to ask for you. So precious, so humble. Beautiful. And I was just so, so grateful. Mm. So in that moment, did he pray for you or did you wait till? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. He, he actually, I knew that what he was saying about the word of God, when he said, same yesterday, day, forever. Remember, my heart is different now. Before right. I was sanctified, the word was kind of, you know, maybe a little gray, but now it is black and white and I'm, I believe it, you know, and, yeah. and I really, I did say these words. I'm, I'm confessing to you. I don't think that I was in agreement with him. I was in so much pain. It wasn't like, I didn't know how to expect to, to be able to sit here and talk to you or use my hands and stand up and down and run and jump. But, but he just began to pray. And he was talking to Jesus like I am you, you know, like yeah. it was so simple. There was nothing formal. And I can't tell you the words he said, but somewhere in the prayer, he, he quoted Matthew 18, 19 about if two of you agree on earth touching anything, it will be done of my father that's in heaven. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what else he said. I know he kept praying, but when he said those words, Andy, suddenly it was just a numb feeling. I can't even describe it. Just numb. Like I didn't hurt anymore. But it was so foreign to me to not be in such pain that I, I almost thought, well, maybe I'm dreaming. You know, this is I'm sleeping. But the next thing I heard, he said, was, um, did anything happen? And I said, I don't know. Then he said, well, can you move anything? And um, and other people have said to me later, like, I've never known anybody that was healed. What did you do? Did you maybe wiggle your toes? Or I don't know why I didn't do that. I was just so stupid. I was so excited. And I literally just jumped up and I did jumping jacks and I ran in serious? and I did a back. Wow. It was like nothing had ever happened. Jesus healed me like all the way instantly in that moment. Wow, joy. Yes. yes, yes. I love it. I mean, you did jumping jacks. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and the, and I have to throw this in for the girls, everybody. Yes. I mean, it just makes the miracle even bigger is that just a few hours after he prayed, after I was healed, I started my period again. And we go, oh my goodness. Yippee. But now God has given us two precious babies that medically aren't supposed to be here. I mean, I'm just so thankful. And the next morning, I have to say this and I'll, I got to stop. I know. Oh, you're I, good. You're I'm so good. excited. The next morning, I ran a couple of miles. I hurried because I wanted to get to church to tell people God had healed me. But the next week, I ran the whole way in a 10K race. I mean, that's six huh. miles. It was like nothing had ever happened. So God used it, and the doctors were blown away. Many people came to the Lord because of it, because they say, well, sometimes, you know, on television, I'm not sure if it's real or not. But they knew me and knew yeah, I they, could move and then I could run and jump. So I just, it's sort of like Acts 3, the man, the lame man. Yeah. I'm just so, so grateful. Walking and leaping and praising the Lord, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it, Joy. So at this point then, you have this experience and you kind of sense God's leading you somewhere else. And so uh, what happened next? Right, right. Well, and I left this little part out, should have thrown this in. One of the things that 
that um, Reverend Hearn shared with me. I mean, it was the word of God. I mean, every day, just so precious, explaining about what sins, S-I-N-S are, you know, outward yeah. actions of sin, but also what S-I-N, singular, carnality, original yes. sin is in our heart. And that 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 the Bible says that doesn't go away unless God washes it or purifies, cleanses, sanctifies our heart. But while I was laying there and, and he would come day after day, he was so precious and he actually brought some testimonies on tape of, of people that you know and I know that are your mentors also, <clears throat> like Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. Yeah, sure. And John Oswald. Many people who who um actually your great your grandfather was one of the testimonies from an Indian okay. Springs uh camp meeting time. And it was it was human beings today that had had a hunger like I did in their hearts and God had filled them. So I knew um, I, I, as soon as I was sanctified, I thought if I ever could move again physically, I know I'm supposed to go to Asbury um, uh, just to grow and to learn, but I never dreamed that could happen. But now that I was healed, I was able to go. And so I'm so thankful to be able to sit under godly folks to to help just help me grow and grow more and more, as well as missions professors, because when I was a little girl, I had felt really called to the mission field to go tell people about Jesus that had never heard. And and um, so I'm so thankful um, to be able to have um, had that opportunity and continue to know brothers and sisters like you, Andy. And and wow. many of my friends have taught and are teaching at WBS after it was founded. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for our um, our relationship and our community. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so I mean, through through, I'm sure we could talk about other things in your time as a seminary, but you know, as as you work through that period, God then directed your life in some other unique ways. I mean, so you have this leading towards missions. What did after you yeah. finish the seminary? I mean, you, you right. actually meet this really great guy right. who's a excellent fisherman, by the way. If you're friends with him on Facebook, well, uh, and you know, the way I met that guy was that. You know, my parents really, you know, we we were just farmers, but but had, they had spent everything on doctors and I, I just didn't have a vehicle, you know, and um, that's not totally unusual at Asbury. But but at, I had not met my husband or, at now um, yet because we we were in different classes. But uh, a friend said, well, hey, when there was a break time, you know. Oh, um, different people are saying, hey, is anybody going to California, to Texas, to wherever? And a friend of mine said that she had been in a class with a guy from Georgia and he might know somebody. So I actually met Wes um, that way and said, um, you know, do you know anybody that's going home for the break? And he said, I'm going, I'll give you a ride. And so it's been a great trip, <laughs> even though we were, we, uh, that first ride, we just became great pair, prayer partners and buddies and shared each other's testimonies. And But on that first ride, we both actually thought, this is the kind of person I want to marry someday, you know, but you wow. didn't want to mess it up. We were just buds. But then, um, then Jesus redirected our life. We did, I did feel called to Wes and we got married and that was glorious. And just after we were married and had our two children, Hannah and Caleb had just been born when the iron curtain came down and yeah. the so former Soviet union crumbled. And so the Lord, um, directed us. We just, we went as missionaries to the little country of Estonia because in the Wesleyan world, um, some of the big, our mentors said that they knew that there were some believers there that had survived occupation. And maybe that could help be a beachhead to get back into all of Russia, Latvia, Lithuania with church plantings, planting. So we went, um, what their big desire was, was a seminary. 
And we had just gotten out of seminary. We were just kids, but, but they had had nothing since the 1940s when World War II happened and everything had been destroyed. And so the Lord miraculously, it's a, a whole nother day of stories, um, uh, helped us to begin a seminary. And so it's called the Baltic Methodist Theological Seminary. And we had half I look very Russian, Andy, because I'm darker skin. You're you look more Estonian because you're more blonde, lighter. My husband was yeah. too, actually. And um, uh, but we had half and half. And today, literally today, that's how society is because of occupation. The way that the communists forced Russians to come into all those little republics to work. So we okay. had to use translation equipment. That, but they can't understand each other. I mean, it's totally wow. different languages. And it was through that that actually helped helped to begin to birth what we're doing today. That is, we thought if you could train somebody in their own mother tongue, they can get to their people faster. So yeah. it's sort of common sense almost. But um, after the government gave accreditation to that seminary, we were able to then come back and begin the ministry called International Leadership Institute. So we do training for Christian leaders, um, not always, but almost always third world and closed access places that don't have the opportunity. And then they, in their language, their mother tongue go and, and multiply what they've learned in their tribe or city or village. So that's how it has spread. Gotcha. So you guys came back and then you started that work and it's all yes, over the sir. world now. Yes, sir. We're just in awe and what, but you know, I believe it's because people are hungry. That's why yes. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, it's just the Lord's moving. I, the, the, the leadership material is not rocket science. It's really just the word of God, but people are really hungry and we praise him for what he's doing. So, and that's a little different maybe than a, a seminary, but it's, right. what, tell me like, what, what, what is it that you're covering okay. in those leadership okay. pieces? Yeah. Good question. Like, so you go into a place and this is, they're giving right. them resources that they can use. Right. And they are folks that, uh, every once in a while, somebody might not be a believer and does get saved, but the, okay. but the, the, the audience or the, the participants are those that are already believers and are actually leaders of some sort. Maybe they're pastoring, maybe they're leading the youth or the women or the men's ministry. They could be business people that are active. And um, so we teach just bottom line, eight core values. Now there's a okay. lot of bones I and mean, there's a lot of meat on these bones, but the, but the eight core values are intimacy with the Lord then having a passion for the harvest, uh, being a visionary leader. And under each of these, there are a lot of sessions. Like for example, right. visionary leadership is getting God's will for your life. Then mm -hmm. how to um, how to set goals for that. And then how to mobilize others to help you with that vision. And then how to overcome obstacles because the devil's going to always throw those fiery darts. But anyway, that's visionary leadership. Being culturally relevant in evangelism. I am so thankful for what I learned from J.T. Siemens and other missions professors about, about being relevant to those that you're yeah. getting to go into another culture. Multiplication, another thing that I learned from Al Cobbage and many other profs, and that is discipleship and coaching yeah. and mentoring. Uh, having our family priority and two more, stewardship of our time, our, um, our resources and our spiritual gifts. And then the last kind of goes back to intimacy is integrity and living a holy life. So those are the eight core values and that are just, we try to flesh out in a conference. And how long does that take to do that? Um, it's, it's an intensive week Okay. Um, that we try, you know, that's, that's the goal. And, and it's, and it's because we do have a lot of practical time, prayer time in between, you know, many sessions there. So people come from wherever in their country to a central location and, um, and then, then take back the material to their folks in their own mother tongue. 
Gotcha. So this is you've continued to serve for, you know, for a while, uh, maybe even until recently, in the United Methodist Church. You're probably like ordained through United Methodist Church, but even to have a significant influence with people outside of the United States who are part of the same United Methodist Church. Right. So maybe could you tell us a little bit from your perspective, like what's happened, what's been happening? I, even though you you might assume that my audience knows about that, they might not. Like what's big right. picture, what's happening in the United okay. Methodist Church, and maybe some of your friends and the people you've served, how yes. that's a part of what's I'm going on. I'm very happy to share. Um, because, you know, as a little girl, I mean, I didn't know when when all the the, the United Brethren Church and, and the yeah. Methodist denominations went together in, in 1968. And, and of course, even when, remember when I was in seminary, you know, that, yeah. that seminary that I went to where you had the atheist professor was a United Methodist seminary and is, yeah. and so people's apportionments are going to pay that professor. Of course, even at the time, I don't think my brain really comprehended as much as, right. you know, um, but then, um, unfortunately, um, the United Methodist Church, especially in the United States, not as much in other countries, not in the Philippines as much in the African countries or even Russia, but in, in the U.S. has has kind of gone along with the culture of the United States and has become very uh, uh, progressive and liberal. And so, the the uh, of course, every four years, the big worldwide gathering happens of, of delegates from all over the world in the United Methodist world. There is a discipline, like all different denominations have some kind of a constitution or bylaws, right, you know. Right. So the discipline of the United Methodist Church is the word that's, that you might hear thrown out a lot. And that really, a lot of it quotes the word of God saying, this is what we believe about, about creation, about um, God, about sin, about Jesus, about salvation, about human sexuality, um, many uh, that marriage is between one man and one woman only biblically. That's what's supposed to happen yeah. or that's what the discipline says. But what has um, been happening for a lot of years is disobedience to that um, uh, discipline, but also no accountability. And right. so, I mean, very little, I mean, literally. So, so the hierarchy is that a bishop is, is then underneath the bishop has district superintendents and then they are local pastors. So what unfortunately has happened is again disobedience, and so that that um, uh, the big uh, presenting issue that the world kind of looks right, at right. or the news media grabs onto is human sexuality, saying right. that um, that that you do not want someone to be ordained and or to be a bishop or to be married a same sex kind of marriage. Um, yeah. That is a, yes, that is an issue. But the real bottom line, Andy. Of, of the whole division between the United Methodist Church and those that are being called traditionalists or conservative is the authority of the word of God, the supremacy yes. of the word and the lordship of Jesus. And of course, again, the media wants to say, oh, it's about sex, but it isn't. It's about everything we believe about the, the word, the, ver the creation, virgin birth, resurrection, death uh, of Jesus. Anyway, I'm sorry. Ask me a question. No, no, that, no that's great. That's great. Absolutely. So, yeah, your friends in, in uh, yes. globally outside the United States have right. had a role to play in this, right? And yes. that's been a, uh, a huge role. I yeah, actually am. I'm getting on a plane next a week from today, um, and going to meet with them actually about this very thing. Um, yeah, um, the Africans actually have more votes um, after the year 2016 for the first time in history. The African church is growing, and our church yeah. in the United States is declining. 
And so for the first time in history in 2016, Africa had more votes and USA had less votes. And Africans are uh, culturally very traditional, as the word people are using, are conservative. They believe the yeah, Bible. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so there's big dissension is very contentious because, of course, the, the, the unfortunately, the United Methodists in the USA would love for the Africans to go away, to be totally separate. So it could just be the United States instead of the rest of the world. But Jesus said, uh, Wesley said, the world is my parish. But Jesus said that he came for the whole world to seek and save the yeah. lost. And God loved the whole world so much. So um, the Africans have been very, as well as Filipinos and Russians, and I'm saying just those, there are other countries also, um, but those have the most delegates that come together every four years. So they're they're now, unfortunately, but actually it's, it's a good thing. Now the new Global Methodist Church has been launched and has been formed, and the huge majority of conservatives all over the world are joining the Global Methodist, which is why you have a lot more students, you said, at WBS yes. this year that are coming in. And we praise God for that because it's a new day. It's a new beginning. Um, there, are, there are people that are choosing, to, congregations that are choosing to stay United Methodist, but the sad reality, if, if any of your listeners here are United Methodist and this happens to be new for them, they need to be informed and try to educate themselves and, and seek out you and others, me, anybody, mm -hmm. to help yeah, yeah. them to understand because the church is just going more and more progressive. It's, it, it's, it's just a very sad reality today. Right. And, and IL, uh, International Leadership Institute, yes. ILI, sorry, yes. it wasn't saying yeah. it very easily. I know. <laughs> uh, you've had a, I mean, it's not necessarily, it, is it connected to the United Methodist Church or Methodist, but it just no. happens to be you've also been in these rooms. I mean, I've just uh -huh. noticed, Joy, that as I've seen various committees formed, you yes. or Wes yeah. are on yeah. there. And so so God's given you this okay. unique angle yes. of serving yes. in the, at this time. I need to tell you, this is just Jesus because it's just a, a miracle. Um, we both are Methodist background, but the ministry, yeah. the I International Leadership Institute is interdenominational. It's not denominational because overseas, there aren't a lot of United Methodists or Methodist period. There are, but just there's all denominations. Yeah. But, but because of our relationship and our ministry that had already been begun in, um, in, places where there are United Methodists, in the Congo, in Sierra Leone, places that have a lot of uh, United Methodist delegates to the big worldwide conference. Yes, we've, we've been, um, we're honored to be a part of, of that. I think that there are some people that thought, well, you know, maybe you know a lot more Methodist than any of us do, but it's just because yes. most other folks are in the States and, and I'm usually there. So it's good. Yeah. Yes, I'm very. Yeah. Thankful. So what yeah. I mean, who would have thought that the desire that and the calling that God put in your life as a girl, you know, making yeah. its way through understanding these new. I mean, you had forgive me for being so uh, blunt with this, but you had your experience with liberal Methodism. Yes. And and, yes. and understood. And like and I've been in those environments where it's like um, we're often like you and it's not just methodism it's just a theological education right. as a whole you know there are times where you really want wonder if people are christian you know we um we for instance and i'm, I'm not saying that because of i'm saying that based upon the words that they say yes. you know yes, like absolutely. Uh, jesus did not rise from the dead i don't believe that it's like okay well let's let's talk interestingly you know as we've started at at wbs this track for global methodist church pastors um, it's amazing. Most of the course of study courses have been offered at those 
type of institutions that don't affirm the inerrancy of scripture um, or the authority of scripture. I mean, they might, yes. some people don't like the word inerrancy. So what ends up happening is um, uh, at just the very first class, people have been writing us letters coming to us saying, I've never said prayer at the beginning of a right class. A class. Yeah. It's, just, it's I, shocking. I know that yeah. I could, I didn't, I, help me help me know like how to even understand what's going on and the uh i'm amazed at the hunger that people right. have right uh, who are coming into the course right. of study classes so it's really right. an interesting right. moment you're familiar with this i mean this is kind of yes. like part of your world so I'm, yeah. I'm amazed how god put you in this place but i'm so thankful for you and other profs there that have the opportunity to um to uh, help fill that hunger. I mean, to explain to them, they don't know. You know, I, I left this part out quite a while, a few minutes ago, just because of time. But but when I took my back, this is backing up when I'm a teenager and I took my Bible open yeah. so to the little, remember the student pastors in my little church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, look, my life is not like Jesus. You know, here's what Jesus says. So can you help me? And this is what they said. I mean, this is all they knew. They patted me on the back and said, oh, joy. You are the best little girl we know. This is just an emotional moment and you will feel different tomorrow. Wow. wow. So I so so now I understand why they said that. But you know, yes. at the time I'm thinking they're supposed to be spiritual authority. And Andy, when I started to that seminary, I had never heard profanity. Like I heard from the pulpit, the pulpit of the chapel of that seminary. Unbelievable, just unbelievable to me, but also fellow students who would say, well, Joy, we're, when I was saying I'm hungry for something more, and they said, well, we are just like you. We stand in our pulpits on Sunday and we preach about peace, but we just believe because we're taught that you just have to wait until you die to get peace. Yeah. That's why the people coming to you, Andy, are hungry now. That's what they've been taught. They, they, they don't know different, but they're thrilled that they can be, be filled up um with the word sure. so i yes. didn't mean to add all so, that but it's, it's just a sad reality yeah yeah absolutely yeah and yeah. It, you you're in this place where you have a different seat and you understand the global church better than most um in, in light and like i'm thinking like the big where where are things going what do you think will happen with these uh, methodist churches in africa the philippines in russia um, former communist states. Well, I, I, I believe that they are going to, and are already in some ways leading the way for us in the United yeah. States. Um, and, and of course we'll be, we'll be connected. Um, I could just, this again is sort of a technical thing, but for your listeners, if, if you're interested for uh, it, 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 it all has to do with, remember that discipline that I told you about. And so unfortunately yeah. for anybody outside the United States churches outside at this point, yeah, they they have not been given the opportunity through the discipline um, to be able to disaffiliate okay. until this 2024 next year will be that next four year uh, worldwide gathering. And so not all, actually, um, but some are waiting until then purely because they don't they don't have the option to to disaffiliate okay. yet until then. But actually just in the news, and I'm looking forward to this because I'm going to be in Kenya a week from tonight or tomorrow. Um, uh, just this week, the news came out that that their annual conference met and there were 71 delegates or people, churches represented. And I, I, I could say it wrong, but I think it was 65 
literally walked out and said, we're disaffiliating now. It means wow. they won't have any money. They have no connection with outside, you know, that they won't receive any kind of compensation at all. But they, they're saying, we cannot go against God's word. And God's word. Of 71. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. And yeah. so that's going to be very interesting to, to see. And the bishop was standing right there. <laughs> and I know him. I actually know who he is, but um, it'll, it'll be interesting. So that's happening. Like, for example, even last year, Bulgaria. The entire annual conference, Bulgaria just disaffiliated themselves. They just said, we cannot disobey God's word. So we are now just going to form a new, you know, entity, a new Methodist work. Um, so that's, that's happening in many countries around the globe. Wow. Oh, interesting. Enjoy. I'm so proud. Little Estonia, little look, Estonia is a small country, but Estonia voted to disaffiliate at their annual conference just a, a, a few short weeks ago. And that was against what the bishop, of course, really wanted them to do because that was an institutionalist kind of person. But um, but that bishop was actually very gracious to them. Um, mm. And in our country, in the U.S., some bishops have been gracious. Unfortunately, I'm living in a uh, in a in a uh, a conference in North Georgia where the bishop has has not been. Um, they they first put put on a pause and said you're not allowed to vote at all. And then there was a, a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit, and and the judge, who was not Methodist or not, I don't even know if he's Christian, but the judge just said you can't do that. That's against the the rules. You've got to let Your them vote. So yeah. that is happening now. Um, so in some and and it's also at a, at a heavy cost, but people are willing to pay the price physically, like literally money, <laughs> uh, yeah. financial cost, um, to to try to be able to to get out and and to keep the property. Um, this one other thing I didn't say is in the United Methodist Church, there is a trust clause. I don't know why or when from forever ago, but, but that means the conference owns the building, the land, everything in it, the hymnals, the piano, everything. It's not yeah. long owned by the church people. So, so the new global Methodist Church allows for people to own their own property, building, all those things. So that's just a, another difference. That's happening. Yeah, that's really helpful. It's good to hear from a different perspective. And Joy, you kind of bring bring it from your seat. Well, I will, Joy, I always ask. There's so much more we could talk about, and I'm interested to hear your perspective. Probably need to have you on again. But I always ask the question about being there being more to the story of somebody more than you normally get to share if you're ever on any other podcast. Like we talk about Methodist things, we talk about your testimony, we hear a little about you. But is there something? Is there like a hobby that you have, or something that would give us an idea of? more the more to the story for joy griffin oh um well yeah there's lots <laughs> i'm trying to think <laughs> um you know i i love um i love i like to run i love okay. nature um uh i love creation it's it's astonishing to me and and i always kind of think in my brain i wonder if i appreciate it more because i couldn't experience it for a while in my life i don't know okay. but yeah. but it but it's glorious to me and it brings me closer to the lord so hiking camping outdoorsy things um swimming yeah i i just i love and of course i enjoy time with our children and um uh and friends i'm being relationship. Oh, they're so precious. Hannah and Caleb, they're such blessings. Um, Hannah is an artist, like a real artist. And it's the, the gift is from God. It's not from her daddy or me. <laughs> There's no inheritance. Okay. She's 
she's doing well. And then our son, Caleb, is actually at the University of Tennessee. He went to Asbury to school, but he is at the University of Tennessee, and he does video editing for their athletic department and producing. Okay. So um, they're both um, um, doing well. They were the greatest little missionaries growing up. I homeschooled them as they grew up, so they did get to see a lot of the world and uh, and appreciate um uh, knowing who Jesus is, but then uh, having a, a a love for those that don't yet. So uh, I'm so grateful for them. That's great. Well, Joy, thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot to me for you to take some time with us and uh, thankful for the work God's leading you to do through the International Leadership Institute, but also in these like really kind of distinct places where we get to share. Um, I'm so honored. And- yeah. yeah. I'm so thankful the Lord lets us be FAS together, Indian Springs just Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for you. I'm so grateful for the the time together. Thank you. Thanks, Joy.